Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Laurie Rose, the two-time winner, takes the lead from Faulkner. That's the way they finish the first lap. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Joko. Matt is here. It's time to talk about the 105th running of the Indy 500. It was an exciting week of practice. Qualifying this weekend was highly entertaining. With that, just a quick recap, and then we'll kind of just dive into a bunch of things. Scott Dixon is your pole sitter for the fourth time in his career. Colton Herta was second. Hope you enjoyed my talk with him earlier this week. Renus VK was third. Ed Carpenter, Tony Kanaan, Alex Pillow, Ryan hunter Ray. Matt's friend, Elio Castroneves, and Marcus Erickson round out the Fast 9. And then the bottom five, so the first three made the field, Karam, Power, and Simona. And then obviously, Charlie Kimball and Arthur Enerson did not make the race. Matt, we had a, a pretty quiet week of practice, minus Santino Ferrucci's incident. But kind of looking back on... on practice was there anything that stood out about you uh, stood out to you that kind of like looking ahead towards the race weekend that you think you know there's there's somebody outside of the top top nine that i just mentioned that that's gonna charge forward or somebody's gonna plummet even though they're starting up top um i have uh i guess two uh that i really want to touch on first is i think that ray hall letterman's gonna have a really good day I think their race cars looked really good. I think if history tells us anything, the race cars the last couple of years have looked really good. Obviously, with Sato's win last year, Ray Hall was third. Piggott was strong, but had that late accident. And I think their race craft in the practices so far looks like Sato's having no troubles. They had some. They had much more pace during the week, but then they didn't really show up on qualifying weekend for whatever reason. The second thing I wanted to touch on was how stupid their photo op was. And how ridiculous that they were doing that on a Thursday within the first hour of the day when it's kind of get up and go time and let's use all the track that we can, especially in the first hour, you want to get out there and put in some laps right away. And so Simona McLaughlin and Herta arrived on the scene very quickly and Herta had to take evasive action from flying over the top of McLaughlin and ended up brushing the wall. See, well, obviously it looks at this point like his car was uninfected because he qualified second, but still people are like well Penske did it on day one and he did a four wide their team did a four wide salute why weren't they penalized Grail was penalized 30 minutes on fast Friday it's like well Penske did it in the first hour of the first day and there was no one on track or at least there was no one within the shot that they were showing on TV and secondly Penske gave a heads up to everybody that they were doing it 
So take off the uh, tinfoil hat. I don't think there's some grand Roger Penske owns IndyCar unless there's a conspiracy here kind of thing. I mean, we're talking conspiracies. His, of course there is. Yeah, well, if we're talking conspiracies, his car sucked at qualifying and he's got two of his cars in the back row. So if we're talking conspiracies, I don't really think uh, the photo op is the one I would use. I would say maybe if his car is qualified first through fifth, I would maybe question a couple things. Um, but yeah, I uh, so far see no reason to think there's a, some sort of Penske conspiracy IMS because his cars do not look good in the qualifying. I'll tell you that. I can't believe two years in a row now that Penske cars have really struggled on qualifying weekend. Scott McLaughlin is the highest running Penske when the race starts on Sunday in 12. Of course he is. Outside of that, everybody is yeah 20th or, or worse. And you know, Will Power had zero pace. And if it wasn't for keeping his foot on the pedal when he brushed the wall in his last chance qualifying, he might not even be in the race. I can't remember listen you know this good teams have had bad indy 500s but i in in my lifetime i guess since 1995 this is the worst stretch i've seen penske at the 500 you know now two years in a row they they haven't been good and really haven't shown any pace yeah i don't i guess i didn't realize until um herda came on and a couple other guys said so is that when they turn up the boost i didn't realize that chevy became so porous and honda really took over i didn't realize that was a thing because if you look at the race last year it was primarily hondas who dominated the race too when there wasn't you know there's no boost in the race so on one hand you have to question you know I mean, since the aero screen's been introduced, that's when Penske's kind of IMS downfall began is these last two years. I mean, because they won 18 and 19, and then now it's kind of disappeared. And they claim to have good race cars, but I'm still saying that I'd really still rather start towards the front for sure. And then on the flip side, you know, Chevy's not good at boost. Well, then why is VK and Carpenter, who are... Ed Carpenter Race is not the biggest Chevy team by any stretch of the imagination. Why are they third and fourth and and i guess convert why is connor daly 19th where did he go wrong i guess when his teammates are third and fourth that's the head scratchers so i don't know i don't know what penske's deal is with the indy 500 qualifying i and like i said they they're saying that pagano is the, the greatest race car in the history of mankind for sunday so we'll see if he can actually come through the field or if he's going to be mired in the back i at this point i'd say I don't, i'm not really banking on penske this weekend which is a, a crazy sentiment in its own. And I'm sorry, McLaughlin was P17, not not P12. I, I, I don't want to give you too much credit, Scott. But he did have a... a listen, he kept it in one piece all, all week and had a, a good qualifying effort by this weekend's Penske standards. But yeah, listen, I, I heard all, all weekend how Simon Pagano said and, and Penske, you know, the TV broadcast was saying, well, you know, they've got great race cars for Sunday. Yeah, that's great. But when you're starting 32nd and Pagano is in row nine, Newgarden is in row seven, so and McLaughlin row six, what happens if there's an accident you just happen to get collected? Or there's a lot of traffic to get through and maybe passing isn't great. Now, 
knock on wood, the weather actually looks pretty pretty cool for Sunday, so it might open up more chances than a couple of years ago when it was like 800 degrees when I was when <laughs> I was there. So yeah, I mean it's it's crazy to think about. I don't put too much stock in the well we have a great race car because they didn't really show a ton of pace all week in practice before the boost was turned up. And then the boost was turned up and they still didn't show any pace and qualifying came. And I mean, Joseph Newgarden after his first qualifying run was kind of like, I, I don't know, man, I don't know what else we can do. And you know, willpower was just happy to make the race. And Simon Pagano, he was kind of like the most upbeat. I mean, obviously Scott McLaughlin was very upbeat because he safely made the field and it's his first time. So um, you know, I'm not really worried about him, but everybody else was, was very bad. Yeah. And, uh, Penske, that is. yeah. And, you know, we'll kind of go dissect row by row here for you guys as our preview. It's just uh, perplexing. So I think it's interesting to see what's going to happen not only with them but just kind of the race in general there's new aerodynamic parts in the cars that are supposed to help with drafting and based on several comments and what we've seen in practice it does look like it's going to be easier to draft the person who is in first now whether that transcends through the field remains to be seen so if there are like separate groups and someone, if they're like breakaway groups and there's someone's like P15, but the nearest car is five seconds ahead of them, you may be able to pass that guy for P15. But uh, we'll be interested to see how that racecraft looks on Sunday. Yeah, so I asked somebody at the track about that to get more detail. And so apparently if you're kind of one, two, three, four, and not necessarily first, second, third, and fourth place, but you know, if you're in a small group, it's pretty easy to you know draft up and, and make passes. If it's a, a big pack of six, seven, or eight cars, those those back cars are going to struggle. So if you see some breakaway groups, you'll you might see some passing in them as long as they're not you know, a massive chunk of of sixteen, you know, fourteen, or fifteen cars or something like that. So it sh- it definitely should help. But before we break down the rows, we should break down our predictions because we made some pretty we made some pretty terrible predictions. What? All right, well, I had uh, my my front row prediction. I had Scott Dixon as, or just in general, my front row was Scott Dixon, Will Power, and Marcus Erickson. I will say I did get two in the fast nine, which is more than you could say. Sure, I had Power, who was the last yes, row. That was kind of a, I don't think we'll see that ever again. I think that was kind of just a weird year for Power and his crew. You had Dixon, Daly, and Ray Hall. So, Yeah. Yeah, that one bugs me because Connor Daly and Ray Hall were pretty good all week in practice and then just lost qualifying pace. So I'm I'm bummed, but I mean, listen, what do we what do we expect? It's me in making predictions. And then before we get to our bump day predictions, let's talk let's gonna give a recap of bump day. So going into the final day, the last row shootout was contested of Sage Karam, Will Power, Simona Di Silvestro, Charlie Kimball, and R.C. Enerson. So that is the order they ended up finishing. So Karam, 31st, Power, 32nd, Simona, 33rd. Kimball and Enerson are going home in Foyt and Top Gun Racing, respectively. So let's start with, first of all, congrats to the three that made it. I know it was a really stressful time for them. Sage Karam and their team really pumped for because it does sound like, again, for the fifth year running, they want to do more races. 
So we'll see if that happens. You know, Will Power, obviously, he's a former winner and really loves the track, so that's great for him. And then Simone Di Silvestro and Peretta Autosport. I've been so impressed with Beth Peretta and everything she's been doing and the media availability she's been giving with Peacock and whatnot. She's an incredibly well-spoken person, and it sounds like she wants to grow this effort into something other than just doing the Indy 500. So I'm really looking forward to that, and hopefully they can continue to grow so that's, I think it was really important for them to make it because now it kind of gives them a platform to build on for sure. So now Charlie Kimball. Obviously, Charlie is one of the nicest people in the paddock, and I don't think anybody out there will disagree with that. It's just I wonder what the decision-making was when it came to Foyt because they did have a lot of crash damage from Texas between Bourdais' crash in the first race and then Bourdais and Kellis crashed in the second race. And it sounds like Kimball was given a refurbished road course car, and the other three teammates were given cars that were specifically massaged for the Indy 500. So when you take a step back, it's kind of like, okay, that makes sense. Because we're talking about a guy who qualified for Carlin, when Chilton, Alonzo, and O'Ward all went home. And not only did he qualify, he qualified like 23rd, I think, if my memory serves me correct. Like he, not like he barely got in the field. He like put her solidly in the field. And I know Kimball has his uh, shortcomings, we'll say. Moments. Yeah, he has his moments. But I don't think anybody would ever argue that he's never been, he's always been really good at Indy. Like, you know, top 10, contender for sure every time he's there i wouldn't say he's going for a win or anything like that but he's definitely up there for sure so are you at all surprised that foyt ultimately gave him kind of the hand-me-down car when it came to this time of the month when they announced a fourth indy 500 car because i think hildebrand was technically the fourth announcement i just felt like four was too much for foyt just from a staffing perspective and a car availability perspective and then obviously it didn't help at all when they had the crash damage in texas and i i just kind of feel bad that he was in that position because that car had no speed all week he took it took an extra day to get the car ready from road course trim and i don't i don't really fault charlie it's just he was he was put in a bad situation and 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 had to make the best of it all week and tried his hardest but just he wasn't particularly close to Simona so yeah you know it's unfortunate yeah so hopefully we get to see him back next year because I don't I think he's kind of alluded to the fact that he's not done with Indy so that's good because I don't want to have this kind of be the last thing of his career all right now we get a rant about Top Gun Racing uh they did not qualify for the field on their new effort. And before I toss it to you, I will say it wasn't the driver's fault. What do you think? I just, I don't understand anything about their plan of attack all week. And I feel like one of their owners like paid the TV broadcast to like only be nice about them because there was nothing negative really said about them. It was just, oh, the little team that could, maybe they will. Like this isn't like Yunkos, who had previously been in the 500 or previously run IndyCar races. This car was in 
cardboard boxes a couple weeks ago, apparently. And there really just seemed like there was no plan. They failed tech multiple times, or at least once, like every day. They barely ran on Fast Friday. Like, I think they ran like 20 total laps, something like that. And they didn't run many laps any day. And then, okay, so Saturday, you know he's going to qualify in the back. He knows he's going to qualify in the back. And so you think, all right, listen, it can't hurt to just try to run a couple extra times and and get out there and get the laps and get ready for Sunday. Instead, he runs one extra time. And, like, I I just think he got set up for failure. Like, I don't think he had any chance to succeed based on the team's the way they went about the week at all. Yeah, because you look at his lines. His lines were all crisp. Didn't put a wheel wrong all month. I thought yeah. his lines looked like someone who'd been doing it for a decade. So, if anything, i am become more of an RC Enerson fan after this week. And he handled everything very gracefully. I mean, obviously, he knew the situation he was in and that it was going to be an uphill climb. My biggest concern is not that they made that they got bumped. My biggest concern would have been what happened if they actually made the race. Because you said it yourself, their practice time was so low. Like, what were they going to show up with? I don't know if they had any actual race data. Uh, they did a lot of, uh, well, I didn't say a lot of. They had a qual sim or two, maybe once a day for four days. And then uh, they had some sort of leak on Saturday, so they didn't even do their correct time slot, which I... I hurts them too because the longer you wait the hotter it gets the worse you're gonna be off yeah and then yeah i uh i don't know i mean i appreciated the fact that they were up and at them at least on the first day because the whole i nothing annoys me more than watching buddy lazier show up on a thursday and expecting him to make the field like it's like dude this is not 2002 anymore where there is like six or seven teams that you can peg to be on the bubble and that, Oh, like if I just show up at the last second, it'll be okay. Cause I've won an Indy 500. Like the, wasn't it you, like you tweeted out that it's the fastest Indy 500 field we've ever had. And then the margins between right. P one and P 33 was only what? Three, four miles an hour. I don't know if that's the closest yeah, field we've ever, closest that, yeah. field we've ever had, but it's gotta be up there. So this this day and age of just showing up at the last second and doing it is over. So I at least appreciated that Top Gun complete completed the whole week, but they still didn't do enough. Uh, they didn't have enough time. And I think the era of kind of the one-off entries like them may be coming to an end. You have to, it's almost like in this day and age, you have to have some sort of affiliated sponsorship or some sort of, you know, I'm going to partner, even if it's like with Carlin, at least they can help you get up to speed and things like that. I mean, I know they're not the best team, but you got to have your toe in the water a little bit before you show up. One test at Gateway is not enough. McLaren tried that and we know how we know how. That yeah. Went. But yeah, I, I get what you're I get what you're saying. I just think, listen, if you're going to be a one off entry like that, at least. OK, so the first day he doesn't finish rookie orientation and finishes it early Tuesday, early Wednesday and then doesn't run a single lap the rest of Wednesday. I just, I don't understand that at all. You know, just put on a, a simple setup, pack on the downforce, and just run laps. Just get a feel for everything. Get the team used to looking at the data, see what changes you can make. And 
Instead, they run Wednesday or Thursday, and even then, they don't run a lot of laps Thursday, and then all of a sudden, it's Fast Friday. Like By not running Wednesday, the second day after rookie orientation was done for them, I feel like they immediately put themselves 100 yards behind everybody else. Couldn't say it better myself. So our circling back, our predictions, I had Kellett and Enerson. So Kellett was 30th, and I guess we can touch on that here in a second. Hmm. And Enerson was 35th. You had Chilton. Congrats to Carlin and Max Chilton for surviving day one. Not sure we uh, called that, or anybody would have called nope. that for sure. Definitely it was in a lot of people's bottom five. And then Ferrucci. And I hope you weren't high-fiving yourself after you crashed. No, no, I felt bad. I, I like Santino. I just you know, wanted to pick a curveball in there. And Santino, if you're listening, your accident was Mike Jokum's fault. No, far, no, no, no. All right, so Kellett, I need to get your opinion on Dalton yeah. Kellett real quick. What was going through your yeah. mind when they bumped their time or when they withdrew their time on Saturday while 30th to go back out and reattempt? I think my mother-in-law and my wife, because we were watching at my mother-in-law's house for her before we went out for her, her birthday dinner, think they're, they, they both think there is something wrong with me because I, I missed an entire conversation where they were talking to me and they were like five feet away from me. Cause I was furiously texting my dad and I was quietly shouting at the TV cause I didn't want to be too loud and, and curse in front of my mother-in-law. But I, once I understood the rule, it made a lot of sense. But at first I was going, this might be the worst decision in Indy 500 history. And it almost was. But the rule saved him. Yeah, I um, I do hope they revisit that next year because a lot of people were confused as to why yes. Power didn't get to be P30. Then I I honestly didn't know that your time just disappeared. Like if you go back out, if you're under thirtieth, even if someone above you withdraws their time, that doesn't that just doesn't make sense to me. Because then what is the distance? I mean, obviously, so like Kella ended up going slower, which is a bad. Like, that's not good. But then <laughs> Simona and Enerson or whoever else couldn't beat it anyways. So it didn't, it, it cost them like 0.7 miles an hour on the average, which is a lot. But even though he was one mile an hour slower than Powers' time that was null and void, he still got to be 30th. And I don't quite understand that, to be honest. And it, it had major. Uh, Jay Howard, Paul Tracy flashbacks from 2010 when they both withdrew their times and then ended up going slower and bumped themselves out of the field. I think Little Al did that too. I'm sure my parents will text me about that to remind me. But I don't remember. I know. I know Paul did. Yeah. So um, I'm amazed that that was allowed. Yeah. It's it was confusing, and I hope that rule has changed. I'm not defending the rule in any way, but they did slip it in in the broadcast a couple times, like real casually talking about the rule. So if you weren't like laser focused on what the broadcasters were saying you were you missed it but they did say it like three times when Kellett was running that it is of no harm and i think the kevin lee said oh dalton Kellett could run a 186 mile an hour average and still be safe and then lee diffie followed up by saying okay the exact rule is x y and z so it doesn't matter terrible rule hate it 
but it kind of just is one of those things like it is what it is and I accept it for this year and I I do hope they change it but yeah could you imagine how different it would be if okay so willpower ends up p30 then and Kellett is on bump day we you know Dalton Kellett could have easily gone home then so he has to be he's got to be thanking whoever came up with that rule oh man and especially to Dalton Kellett. I was like, Kellett of all people? Of course this is happening to Dalton Kellett. <laughs> all right. Do you want to dive into Indy? Race day? Yeah. Race day. So just kind of a, a quick highlight of timing of everything. And then we'll kind of just do a little discussion on row by row, make some predictions along the way. 11.50 a.m. Eastern driver introductions. Reminder, everything is on big boy nbc this this sunday the national anthem is twelve twenty five, sung by jimmy allen twelve thirty five is back home again in indiana so at least be at your tv by twelve twenty five. Twelve forty five is the official race start i think green flag is a couple minutes after that also carb day is two hours on friday however the weather looks pretty miserable right now and I did ask Colton Herta, I think, what would happen if if Carb Day was rained out and they would just go straight into the race. So on that note, we're kind of just kind of diving down the grid here, seeing what what and we'll just we'll just play this by ear and and see what happens. So row 11, Sage Karam, Will Power, Simona Di Silvestro, like you said earlier, super pumped that Beth Peretta and Peretta Autosport made it into the field. You could see the tension on their face every run all weekend, and that was really cool. Also happy for Sage Karam, hope, hoping to have a special Saturday episode with him if if he has time in his schedule this week. And Will Power. Can Will Power be the... Has anybody ever won from the back row? I don't think anybody's ever won from 32nd or 33rd. Don't believe so. Maybe 31st, but definitely, definitely not 32nd. Where what what do you think about this last row? Obviously, their goal is to just kind of hang back and and steer clear of any early disaster. Do, does it, do any of them have top ten potential on Sunday? No. Well, maybe Karim. I have not too much faith in Simona. I wouldn't say no faith, but I just think that entry has been on the slower side this whole week, and I mean. How am I supposed to trust Will Power's race car if his qualifying car is that bad? So, meanwhile, yep. Sage Karam has looked somewhat decent on the speed charts this week. So, I have a and I, I he's made these hard charges from the back before, back when he was with Ganassi, and for some reason, Ryan Reinbold looked a lot better than they had the last couple of years. I don't know, you know, obviously starting the last row, which is a bad indication, but he's. I don't think he's definitely as bad as his starting spot says. So if I had to pick one from this row to watch out for, I'd say Sage Karam. I agree. I think, you know, a 15th-ish finish would be remarkable for that team if he can just keep it clean and and hopefully everything's right on the car. Row 10, at the same time, the most inspirational row and the least inspirational row out of all 11 rows with Dalton Kellett, Max Chilton, and Stefan Wilson. I think Stefan Wilson is one of my biggest qualifying disappointments, and I don't think it was his fault because they tried multiple times and multiple things, and 
that car, which was relatively quick all week, even on Fast Friday, just didn't have it on the weekend. Yeah, I uh, I really have come become fond of uh, Stefan, and I I've admired him now for the last couple of years. So I was too surprised with his qualifying effort. I'm not sure what happened there, but uh, you know, I I wouldn't want to lump him into this next statement by saying that this is the most uninspiring row maybe in the history of the Indy 500. You have Dalton Kellett, Max yes. Chilton in the same row. I mean, that's just hellacious. And Stefan Wilson, while I really like him and he's on a great team, he does have, what, this is his third start, so he doesn't have the world's most experience at this track, and it's been two years since he's been here. So, you know, he himself has a uphill climb in the race, too. Um, you know, hopefully he can rely on and teamwork and, and just, you know, superior Andretti equipment, et cetera, to get work his way up. But I mean, if Karam is not around Kel and Jilton by lap 10, I'll be very shocked. Yeah. yeah. Row nine, Sebastian Bourdais, the aforementioned Simon Pagano and Marco Andretti, who had pr- pretty much one of the most miserable Indy 500 practice and qualifying weeks of his career and definitely of the, he was the worst Andretti all, all week by far, I think. And I think he would go as far to uh, probably agree with us on that one. I'm, I'm very curious because I think Bourdais and Pagano both show strong, you know, both have said they have strong race pace, but they are starting in row nine, which does them no favors, but Listen, I don't think they're going to get passed by Dalton Keller or Max Chilton, so they should be safe to focus forward. Yeah, and like I said earlier, I, I'm not I'm not sure I'm buying this whole Pagano has the greatest car in the history of everything. Uh, no, no. Bourdais has had a couple good moments at Indy recently. Has shown pace before, but I'm thinking that year that he got in the accident with Ray Hall, he was fairly quick for most of that race and uh, kind of towards the top half of the field. Yeah. And then one of those years, didn't he also spin in this turn three short shoot on his own? Maybe. Yeah. I think it sounds familiar. So, um, I mean, out of that, and then Marco, I've... I've Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every 
race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide. And we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Lavanato, and I'll catch you after the chicken flag. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I don't have the words. Yeah, move on. I, I don't think uh, I'm glad he's having fun. I'll say that. But uh, yeah, if I had to peg one to rise from those, those three, it's probably Pagano. Yeah. Row eight, we got J.R. Hildebrand on the inside, Santino Ferrucci in the middle, and Juan Montoya on the outside, who has uh, delivered us some gems in the interview department on Peacock. He's, uh, <laughs> he seems really funny and loose this, this month, which is not Montoya-like. And I think one of my favorite moments so far is that they, uh, I think it was one of the guys on our racing league that was in the party last night was saying that they were listening to a scanner and they, after his first qualifying run, they were asking him on the radio, like, hey, you know, we want to really like some information to Felix and Pato. Like, it was, how was the car in turn two? Was the wind too bad? What was the heat like? And he just didn't respond. <laughs> It didn't say a word. So, <laughs> so uh, I don't know how much info he's given to McLaren this month. But anyways, it's good to see him back. So uh, what do you make of row eight? I am glad to see that J.R. Hildebrand was safely in the field. You know, that car has a really nice livery. I know you don't like the fact that it has the number one on it. But it's also next to one of my least favorite liveries in the Indy 500 in the Mountain Dew high V car. I don't, I, I don't, I was going to say something worse, but we'll leave it at that. Santino, we like you. We just don't like your car. And then Montoya, God, he's had some funny moments on the radio this week. And even in the interviews afterwards, he's like, yep, I'm going to go eat some, like, he's not actually saying this. He's like, pretty much like, yeah, I'm going to go eat some nachos and we'll see what happens later. Like, I don't, you know, I'll still be up front at, at on on sunday anyway like if there's somebody that comes from that far back to win i you know row eight on back let's say or i i could easily see it being montoya just because you know he's a he's a badass yeah it's uh for those who haven't seen it i did have a youtube video out this week that kind of recapped my rankings of all deliveries and so to mike's point about ferrucci's my description of that car was a red car yacked on the back. Is that a is that an accurate description, Mike? Yes. I was trying to actually remember what you said to make to to add on to that, but I just couldn't remember. The video is awesome, by the way. Thank you. Uh, so check that out on YouTube if you haven't had the chance yet. More videos like that coming soon, hopefully. Uh, kind of rapid fire slideshow type deals. Um, yeah, I mean. I'm going to stick with my gut and stick with the Ray Hall Letterman car. So I'm going to say that Santino plus his, his last couple of results. I don't think he's in unfamiliar territory for starting this far back. So he's had some excellent drives at Indy the last couple of years. So I'll stick with that. Row seven got Connor Daly on the inside, Jack Harvey in the middle and Joe new Joseph Newgarden on the outside. What are your thoughts? First off, thanks to Jack Harvey for joining the show this week and berating me for five minutes about my lack of Star Wars knowledge and lack of Harry Potter knowledge. Please listen to that. That was really fun, even though it, <laughs> even though everybody has given me grief for the last uh, 12 hours as of recording this. But, man, I think 
this is the row of disappointment. All three of these guys expected probably to qualify higher up the grid, especially Newgarden and Daly. Harvey, you would have liked to see a couple rows higher, but after he had that insane tire issue, I think he was just happy to put it in the field and not have to worry about it and tried to improve on his time. But at that point in the afternoon, it was just too hot. So yeah, this I'll, I'll label this the, the row of disappointment because all three guys are probably not happy to be starting where they are, 19th, 20th, and 21st, I guess. Yeah, Daly sounds frustrated for sure because you could – I mean, it's it's honestly never a good look when teammates are third and fourth and you're back in row seven. So I'd like to think that he's going to make a charge to the front, but his, his Indy 500 results as a whole – other than the one year with Andretti Autosport, have been particularly not the greatest. So he did have that one good year. I think it was 2019 where he kind of rose to the front and stayed up front pretty much in the top 10 all day. But um, Finished 10th, right? So I think it was 7th maybe, maybe 10th. I don't know. And then... Sorry. Yeah. And then, yeah, some of his other ones, like last year is kind of just spinning on the restart and collecting ask you and just a couple other kind of weird ones so i uh i'll stick with harvey on this one i think he's had some really good runs this year and you know at texas was kind of a good demonstration of what he can do if he you know has the right time and the right resources so i don't think qualifying and especially when you see elio up there i don't think qualifying was his chance to shine because they had to re-qualify in a hotter part of the day and i think they just kind of called it good after that just to be happy to be in after that scary tire issue so uh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with harvey as uh the kind of the one to watch for row seven and then row six yeah got, i agree got james hinchcliffe scott mclaughlin and graham rahal go ahead well i was worried about hinch because he he really didn't have a good week of practice and they he did not look happy at all after practice when they when they showed him on tv so to qualify in the you know kind of the just on the outside of the top half of the field is is very good for him mclaughlin congrats on making his first indy 500 safely ray hall is definitely the disappointment of this row because he had fast nine speed last year and looked like fast nine speed on fast friday but I think Ray Hall is my one to watch from this row. Although I really do hope James Hinchcliffe is able to have a a good a good weekend. I think he he needs it to get the momentum going for for the rest of the year. But good to see him qualify where he did, considering his week of practice was pretty lousy. Yeah, and I uh, I'm. I'm a little worried for McLaughlin. I know he's a brilliant driver and did really well at Texas, but this is going to be a whole new animal for him. And I just want him to get through like maybe the first two stints clean and then see where he's at after that. But um, I don't know. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot of faith in Hinch at the moment. So by de facto, I'm going to go with Ray Hall as my one to rise from this row. All right. Row five. We have Pietro Fittipaldi, Felix Rosenquist, and Takuma Sato. So great to see Fittipaldi in his first 500 put the car in the top half of the field and was, wasn't was too far off of the fast nine for, for a while there before some of the later guys went. But 
Felix Rosenquist, I forget what you said about his livery in the video, but <laughs> not, I don't like the tiger livery. I'm not doing it again. It's something my friends and I, I don't like. It's something my friends and I do when we've had a couple beers. Is from a um, a song by oh, what's her face? Uh, oh God, the she's from Minnesota. Oh, hang on a second. It's gonna bug me now. Keep going. I'll look it up. Yeah. So great to see a Dale Coyne car. I mean, Dale Coyne actually had a, a solid day with with that and we'll talk about Ed Jones in a second here. Rosenquist in his weird tiger striped car. Again, very solid qualifying effort by him. Takuma Sato, a little bit farther back than you would have expected out of a Ray Hall car, but being that he's in the top five rows, I think could easily challenge for a top five or a win, depending on how strategy plays out. So in in that row, I would say Sato is the one to watch, but I'm not putting it past Pietro Fittipaldi to have a sneaky good day. Yeah, I was. I think he's kind of one of the shocks of qualifying to be that high up. That was brilliant. Yeah, and they looked really bad in the test in April. So, Coin was a little on edge coming into the week, but I think the boost helps them for sure. I think that helps make a little bit of a difference. But yeah, just in general, I think his qualifying effort was really good. However, a little worried about the race pace. They did not look good in Texas, and I think if the boost goes back down, I think they may sink a little, both he and Jones. So we'll keep our eye on that. So obviously I'm going to go with Sato out of this group. It's uh, Tempo by Lizzo. I can't believe I forgot Lizzo's name because she is from Minnesota, featuring Missy Elliott. And so I'm not going to roll my R in this because if my I've been talking now with you for an hour and a half and my throat's a little dry, and sometimes I can't roll my R's very correctly. But there's a part where Missy Elliott goes, kitty cat, kitty cat, purr, and she rolls her R. So (laughs) that is where I got my inspiration for that. My friends and I, we do that quite often, uh, especially after a couple drinks. Uh, I don't know what prompts us to do that, but we do it. And so, yeah, the car looks like a cat. I I like it. You don't like it? I like it. I think it looks pretty cool. It looks better than the blue and orange one. I don't like it a little. Normally... They've normally been running so far this year. Fair. I don't like either. But I don't think I would have ever expected Lizzo to be quoted in a Pit Lane Parlay episode. So You're welcome, world. I like it. All right, row four. We're getting towards the end here. Row four, Alex Rossi, Ed Jones, and Pato Award. I would call this the, well, Paul Tracy would call this the red mist row because Rossi always drives angry and Pato drives, doesn't worry about his tire. Where does that leave Jones? Jones kind of just there in the middle. He's <laughs> just there. Yeah, he's just kind of there. <laughs> oh, man. But, I mean, super impressive by Ed Jones to be right outside of the Fast 9. And I think Alex Rossi might have snuck into the Fast 9. Obviously, he didn't get the chance to because the priority lane took full advantage Saturday and he didn't have time. And I think he was like four or five cars back anyway, at that point. So I, I think this is Pato's year. If there's somebody from row four, that's going to come up. I'm going to say that, that Pato Pato is the one to watch from this row. Rossi is obviously one to watch because he's so good at Indy almost every year. Even last year when he crashed, he was after a penalty was still charging through the field in a car that you couldn't really pass on on a day that was hot. So this is a really exciting row to watch. Even even Ed Jones had a had a very good qualifying effort. 
Yes, I think Jones is going to be in that same category as Fittipaldi. I just think they're going to kind of sink a little bit. Hands down, Rossi has to be the one to watch from this row, though. I know Pato is exciting and and whatnot, but I think uh, I don't know how much faith I have in McLaren on Sunday, so I'm definitely going to stick with what history tells us is that Andretti Autosport usually shows up on race days, and therefore, if anything, Rossi should be the... I'd say at this point, the second best hopeful Andretti driver of the crop so far. So we're getting into the Fast 9. So Fast 9, Row 3, Ryan hunter Ray, Elio, and Marcus Erickson. I am surprised. I think... Who is more surprising to make the Fast 9 to you, Marcus Erickson or Ryan hunter Ray? Well, I had Erickson on my front row prediction, so if I said him, I'd look like an idiot. So I'm going to go ahead oh, and say... Yeah, yeah. That I'm going to go say Hunter Ray, but like, honestly, I mean, would anybody have predicted Hunter Ray in the fast nine at the start of the month? Cause I mean, even at the, the nope. 54 Andretti cars that showed up, he would not have been in my top three. So, um, yeah, I mean, good for him though. That's, that's impressive for sure. Yeah, I agree. I am very happy to see a, Meyer Shank racing car in the Fast 9 in Elio. I wish Jack Harvey was up there as well, but good for the Shank team to, to get extra visibility, and and Elio will will probably be the one from this row that that is to watch. Yeah, from this row, I'm going to say Erickson. I think we're getting into our first Ganassi car of the day. <laughs> I think Ganassi has been ultra strong this month, so I'm curious to see once we get race conditions and whatnot if that continues, but uh, until we get disproven otherwise, I think they're looking really good on paper, so I'm going to go with uh, Marcus Erickson. Hopefully he can have a good day. Row two, Ed Carpenter, Tony Kanan, Alex Pillow. Again, Pillow's kind of one. I'm not sure that people would have predicted to be in the Fast 9 going into the month, and he had a pretty massive accident and looked really strong on the final session there on Sunday. So good job by the team to get that car fixed after his qualifying crash. So what do you make of row two? Well, I would first say that Ganassi is by far the strongest team right now, at least on you know going into the race on Sunday. Having Tony Kanon start the middle of row two is super impressive considering Texas... Oh, Texas, there was no qualifying because of the rain, so it's it was tough to get too much of a Tony Kanon read for Texas. But, I mean, Alex Pillow goes back out after putting down a fast nine time, wants to improve it because there was some thought that maybe the back half of the fast nine could be in trouble depending on how qualifying played out. Smashes the right side of his car in the wall. The team does an amazing job to recover it. He's able to qualify sixth and you know put himself in a in a great position i think a lot of people are going to want ed carpenter to win because he's you know the indiana boy and and the the local favorite but i would really i out of this row would love to see alex polo in because he's he's such a he's such a good kid and he's he's really fun to to talk to he's got such a good personality that i think it would be he would be a great first time winner from this row I 100% agree. I think out of this row, the most exciting for me would be Alex Pillow. I think 
Ed Carpenter has the innate ability to kind of throw away results sometimes at Indy. And Tony Kanaan, phenomenal driver, amazing guy. But he's also had his win. And I think, you know, if he wins, then he doesn't really show back up until Gateway, which is kind of weird. Kind of, I'm not sure. Hasn't happened since 2011. So, yeah, I mean, Polo, I just, he's been a breath of fresh air for that number 10 car, something that it's desperately needed for a long time now. So, hopefully, he can keep this up, not only for the Indy 500, but just this a good result would obviously help him compete with Dixon for the championship, too, which is something that we don't want as a runaway Dixon championship either. Which puts us at row one. Scott Dixon gets his fourth pole of his Indianapolis 500 career. And even though he is, I think, uh, five years younger than Mike Jochum, uh, despite his age, Colton Herta and Renus VK on the front row makes this the youngest front row in Indy 500 history because Herta is 21 and VK is 20. So that kind of offsets... Dixon's Correct. what is he 40 that makes you 45 according to my math I just threw out there right uh, yeah <laughs> so all right go, <laughs> go ahead with your thoughts about the row wow well I think we both we both knew Scott Dixon was going to get poll when we recorded a week ago and that was pretty much our easiest prediction that we've ever actually had to make but Awesome to see Colton Herta and Renus VK in, in the front row. I would love a first-time winner again. I mean, really, Colton Herta or Renus VK from from this row would be fantastic to see. But it's it's hard to bet against Scott Dixon. I'm just gonna leave it at that. How how do you how do you bet against Scott Dixon? I will if you want me to. I mean, I was going I was okay. going to anyways. Yes. So he's. Just- Yes, me too. This was his uh, fourth poll, but he's only converted one of them, and that one was in 2008. So while I think this honestly is Scott Dixon's best track, for one reason or another, he only has one win. And even last year, he led, what, like 165 laps and didn't win the race. So while I am still impressed by his pace, just like I was last year, I still think one way or another, he's not going to be the winner on Sunday. And if I had to pick somebody out of this group, I mean, Renus VK, honestly, he looked so good at the 500 last year, but he had that pit error. I think he still recovered for a time. No, he didn't. I don't know where he ended. I think he ended up midfield somewhere. But there was some sort of, I think he had a self-inflicted pit stop error. I think he overshot or something. And that really ruined his day. So, but I do think Renus is going to be a contender on Sunday, but out of this role, I'm still sticking with my gut and going with Colton Herta and the Andretti Autosport stable. He's looked really good in his, well, one Indy 500, where I can't really count his rookie year because he was out after five laps, but no. last year, yeah. Andretti was yeah. not the best as they could have been, and he was still pretty solid as a whole, so uh, you know, I'm just going to stay with Herta. They've looked strong all month. He looks really comfortable. He looks really relaxed. And with his dad on the timing stand, his dad knows a thing or two about winning there. So um, I'd say out of this row, that's who I'm going to go with. All right. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with you. And real quick, Renus VK finished 
20th last year, so he did not particularly recover, but he did have a, a good race overall. All right, let's go into some predictions here. 105th Indy 500. What, do you have yeah. any uh, race day plans? I, well, since I am, I'm still sad that I'm not there. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's a bummer, but I will be at my parents' summer home. So I will watch it with my dad on, which is obviously a very special thing to do because I don't get to watch too many races with him in a typical year, especially, you know, pre COVID on the road a lot, but I will watch it with my dad. My dad and I have a, Oh, it's me and my dad watch it together. And then me and my dad, my brother, and my cousin have a, I guess, our own set of predictions where we pick somebody from the first 11 cars, somebody from the middle 11 cars, and somebody from the last 11 cars. And whoever has the best average finishing position wins pride at family parties. And I can tell you we have been doing this... And probably at least since I was in high school. So at least for the last 17 years or 18 years, and I have won maybe once, which shouldn't shock anybody who listens to this show. So I will be doing that. What about you? I will be watching with my parents and wife, and then we have a wedding to get to after. So, oh boy, yeah, busy day. Um, Like, is it like immediately after the race you have to like, are you going to be like dressed? Yeah, I, during the race. No, like, I think get, get uh, I think we'll get maybe forty five minutes to an hour to get ready. So, uh, but we're making lunch and then okay. watching the race. So that'll be fun. So, we're gonna throw in. A, we normally don't pick a winner. We normally just do good, bad, and other things. But since it's the Indy five hundred, we need to get some pen to paper here. So, you can maybe save your. Maybe have your good prediction be somebody other than your winner, obviously. So maybe someone's got to like rise through the field or whatnot. Yeah. So who is your winner of the 105th Indianapolis 500? Let's go with Tony Kanon. I am going to say, I'm going to say Graham Ray Hall. I, yeah, I really liked what I saw out of him last year. And I really like what I've seen out of Ray Hall Letterman at this track lately. So that's what I'm going to go with. Now, who is going to also do very well, but maybe not in a winning effort? Jack Harvey. I my my plan between Tuesday and the 500 is to finish one more Star Wars movie. In since Jack gave me so much grief, I feel like I owe it to him before the biggest race of the Were year. Were you on? You're on episode six. Yes. My favorite was that he yeah. asked you like, "What movies you watch? What happened?" You're like, "I think I've seen four and five. He's like, "Okay, what happened?" You're like, "Uh." <laughs> Yeah, I kind of like I panicked because I watched them and I like I could actually tell you what happened. Like if you give me a minute to like collect my thoughts, but I was not expecting Jack to grill me like that. I mean, it was awesome. Like, don't get me wrong. I I I was not mad. I just was totally caught off guard and it was. Yeah, I just I I I froze. I totally froze, and I I I choked under pressure. Awesome. All right, I'm gonna go with Sage Karam. I think he's gonna have a good day. All right. Who is going to have a bad day? I'm gonna go with. I'm sorry to some of our loyal fans of the show, but I'm gonna say Joseph Newgarden is not gonna have a good day. I feel like you were directly talking to Donevsky there. Yes, I'm sorry, Christian. 
you're still one of my favorite people on earth, but sorry. I'm going to say Elio Castroneves and his new outfit there with Meyer Shank. I think they're going to maybe have some growing pains on Sunday. So I'm going to say that he's maybe not going to have a particularly good day. And then lastly, another one we don't normally do is who's going to be first out. I am going to say that there is going to be an incident and one of the cars collected will be Juan Montoya. And then he will proceed to sit atop the McLaren pit box with cheese fries and tater tots and laugh hysterically for the next three hours because he doesn't care. That's funny. And and, uh, there's nothing more frightening (laughs) to me than the thought of a turn one, lap one crash in Indianapolis. So I really hope every year I kind of watch the first lap of one I open, hoping we make it through. Uh, So hopefully we can do that again on Sunday. My uh, pick for first out is going to be Ed Jones. Don't really know why. Just it is what it is. Had to pick somebody, I guess. All right. um, Anything else before the biggest race of the year? Guys, enjoy it. Watch watch all the pre-race stuff. Everybody's favorite Danica is driving the pace car. I don't know if we... If we mention that the pace car is the Corvette, it's it's really slick looking. So stay tuned to our social media for coverage on Sunday. Bring you as much as we can from our respective viewing locations. And yeah, enjoy enjoy the race, enjoy the weekend. If you're there, take pictures. I'll post. I'll I'll make our Instagram kind of open to anybody who wants to post pictures this weekend. Just send me them, and I'll I'll tag you if you're on Instagram. If not, I'll just write your name in there. So, yeah, enjoy the race if you're there. Stay safe, and if you're not there, enjoy the race anyway. Enjoy watching it, and guys, have a great weekend of racing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.